Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Alex Bonnerhart, at the Hidden Falls Media Experience. I got one of my best buddies from Arte inside of here, Callie Keen. This dude has an incredible story. I can't wait for you guys to experience this. Uh, why don't we start off with your origin story? Where, how, how, how in the world did you get to selling a <laughs> multi-hundred dollar fidget spinner from absolutely nothing? Well, let, let's, let's, uh, so let's, let's back up a little bit. Well, for, first of all, thanks for having me on, Alex, because uh, every, every time I hear marketing in, in our group, it's like, I know, I know you're going to come in and then I'm, and you're going to like provide so much value either right in that thread. So, uh, or hop on a call with, with somebody. And I try to do the same. I'm like following your lead and hop on a lot of calls and talk about manufacturing and, uh, physical product entrepreneurship as much as possible, but that's, what's really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. So. I'm pumped too. This is going <laughs> to yeah. be awesome. And guys, if you're not following him right now, let's do that. Let's put out your social. I'll put them on the screen below, but why don't you read that out for people that are listening to the podcast? Well, it's really easy because I'm the only person with my name. And if you search my name, you'll find all of my stuff because it's, it's, you know, nobody's going to take Callie Keen on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or anything like that. So as long as you spell it right, you'll find me. I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. So cool. I mean, uh, like background wise is like, I grew up in manufacturing. Um, my family's been in precision manufacturing for a little over 60 years. And like, we've, we've changed and evolved. My brother and I run that, uh, a defense contracting company. And through that company, the last 12, 13 years, I've developed products for uh, like single person startups all the way to you know, giant corporations and federal government. So a lot of technical products. Mm. And uh, I loved working with entrepreneurs because you got to know their family. You got to see that you got to sit in that driver's seat with them and see like the successes, the wins, like the unexpected strategies that work. And I learned so much more about business through that experience than I did in business school. It's not even close to comparable, right? Wow. But I, I thought like as we developed the one business and really niched down to who our uh, best customer was, who we were gonna serve and who we're world-class in, it kind of left those entrepreneurs off to the side. I couldn't make high altitude camping gear or like underwater video, you know, video equipment and just crazy stuff. Yeah. And I like doing that stuff because I'm, you know, I'm a product guy. So I founded Red Blue Collective to teach these entrepreneurs that innovation is a process, right? Wow. And it's not just like having a crazy shower thought and being like, I'm going to, I'm going to disrupt my entire life because I had like a dream about this thing. Uh, and the analogy I give people is, you know, uh, Boeing doesn't build an airplane and then ask the U.S. government if they want it. But everybody with an idea that's how they approach business is they spend all their time, their money, their effort in building this thing that just occurred to them. And then they go out in the world and find out like who could possibly want this. And of course, uh, even the people that want it, they want it to be a lot different. And I flip that thing on their head is that I drive the whole process based on what the customer wants. And that way I know how to market the product. I know how to develop the requirements for the product. And everything just kind of flows a little bit more naturally. It's still super hard, but everything that's worth doing is kind of hard. You know, that's, that's what it is. That's so cool that you start customer centric and 
thinking about their needs and their their motives, their lifestyle first before yeah. it's developing. And you're right. I see it all the time. People and businesses come to us and they're like, I've got this great idea, but I don't know. And nobody wants it. Nobody's buying it. Yep. So, okay. Well, where would where was the market research first to show that people actually wanted it? Even if you weren't selling to them, did you have the proven concept first or were you just hoping and praying with a shotgun approach that this is actually going to function for you? Yeah. And, and what's, uh, I think what's more crucially important and, and we've talked about this before is I'm, I'm hyper into alignment, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that I build a business that's in alignment with my personal goals, like not just financially, but like, if I pick a group of customers, I'm going to be working with them for a decade. If I have a successful business, I want to make sure I like those people. Yeah. You know? I want to make sure that I like them enough that every day I feel a little bit, you know, sure I'll get frustrated, but I'll feel satisfied. I'll feel gratified mm -hmm. by, you know, the, this thing that I'm building. So like if I'm not customer centric, I'm probably just going to build a business that I don't like. So like my product, because the product that you're selling a customer is a strategy. It's a business strategy for acquiring customers and turning that relationship into revenue, right? It's a strategy for a moment in time, whereas the business is in the business of creating, it's just creating customers. It's like just serving people, right? Sure. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm super customer centric. I think it's, it's way more important. And that, again, that's coming from like a, a manufacturing guy, like a product guy. So um, I, wish, I wish I could just sit in, in my, my room develop products in CAD and like, you know, whisper them into the world and be successful, but it just, awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. It doesn't work like that. So, so yeah, I, I founded uh, Red Blue Collective and uh, I even founded it as a, as a content first kind of customer first business. And what I did is I went out and I'd already spoken at some uh, schools, but I went out and started uh, you know, building relationships with universities different community, uh, community organizations, clubs, like including makerspaces. I gave a, a whole, probably like 15, 18 long, uh, 45 minute or hour long sessions at the makerspace on product development, kind of tip, tip to tail what you do from like, I, we call paper to production, right? Mm -hmm. And um, ba basically, what it was is they would say stuff like, you know, people love excuses. I, I hate excuses. I think, you know, that you're just, it, it's a way to protect your ego, right? Yeah. They, they would say like, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources to transform their idea into a business. And I, I think excuses are poison. So as a demonstration of the Red Blue Collective framework, and, and people would say stuff like, oh, you know, Callie, you know, you make technical things. I want to make, I want to make a tchotchke. I want to make like a fun thing, right? Yeah. And so... I gave myself a challenge. I said, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hack a Kickstarter launch and I'm going to do it in 20 days because 20 days is a really short time to, to do a Kickstarter. That includes no idea all the way to building the page, all the, all the ads, everything. And I would only use resources that I had available in that makerspace community. So like I didn't do the video. I trade, I, I traded for a guy who uh, he does the video for custom, uh, custom ink, the t-shirt company. Oh, cool. Right. And then like, I, I didn't run the machine. I donated the CNC mill that they have at the makerspace, but I didn't, I traded the time for somebody else to machine my prototype. Mm. Like, so I did it at, at, basically no cost 
And I showed people like every little step of the way on how to do it. And that worked. But then we, you know, it was like, um, I, it, it was like 2016. I don't, I don't know. You can, you can look me up on that, but it was right before fidget spinners got, got super popular and it hits, we, we have like, we have a way that we rate ideas and how, uh, how close they are in a niche to then going outside of that niche market. And it ha had had a lot of the hallmarks is like, they were expensive. Uh, we knew that they were, it, they were in a customer segment right at the time, like machinists, people that carry pocket knives, were really into fidget spinners and they were making them at work on their downtime. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I know, I know what machinists want and think because I grew up around them and uh, they were very expensive. And the main problem that they had was around different design elements, but mostly that they couldn't buy them. And I was like, I, I have three days to come up with a product and like two days to prototype it. So like this, that sounds like a good need. It's like, I know everything about this niche audience and they want this thing. That's great. And I literally showed them on Instagram and on Facebook, like me drawing it, me catting it, me 3d printing it, me machining it. And that's, that's how we built the, the, uh, the steam for it. But, um, yeah, we sold them for $200 on, on uh, Kickstarter. And then after that, like the community was like, nobody will ever buy them. You can't turn a business into them. Fidget spinners should be $5 or $1, but, but no, like they, they, they sold out just fine. And then, um, so for the next step, I put a class out that was called how to scale a niche product because everybody said, you know, they should be five bucks. And I wanted to show them that I want to break assumptions, right? So for, for people, that uh, have seen my uh, my coaching content, or like I, I have a you know a, a course that we just put out like in May, and I mostly just give it away to clients. But the first the first uh, module is called Break Assumptions because people think the world is one way, and it's just not right. Thing things aren't linear. Things, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So at, at any rate, like. I wanted to prove to people the power of value and context, right? Price is subjective. And this is my way of coming in there and having that marketing conversation, having that emotional intelligence conversation with people who are technical people. They want to know how much should I sell this product for? And I say like, okay, well, you'd pay $5 for this. What if I sold this for $700, right? What if I made a fidget spinner that was the most expensive fidget spinner in the world? Like, how would, how would you do that? Right. And uh, so the way that we did it is we partnered with a friend of mine who's actually a CNC machining sculptor and he's in Baltimore. His name's Chris Bathgate. He makes amazing sculptures, but his sculptures are 10, 20, $30,000. So what we did is by collaborating with Chris, we're transposing the value of a $30,000 sculpture. Mm. And we didn't sell it as a fidget center. We sold it as a pocket sculpture. <laughs> right so like it was it was a small sculptural object that you could you could be a fan of chris's for only 700 dollars. so it was very cheap right if right. you're a fan of cnc machining if you're a fan of chris which a lot of machinists love chris because he uses their thing they do at work but to make these fantastic sculptures so it's like i used i use this crazy uh Oh, like by, you know, by the way, it, we, we, uh, pre-sold them 
on our website, so no Kickstarter. We sold 150 in a little over a week. Uh, we sold them to 20 countries, and then we we did an additional run of about 10 of them, and then uh, gave those proceeds to the back to the makerspace and to a, a couple other charities and stuff. But it was, it, they. The, the special edition so, sold so, for up to $3,000. Okay, we, yeah. we need to yeah, break yeah. down a few things. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you're telling me that within a few days, you essentially sold six figures worth of fidget spinners and only had to produce like 120 of them, 125 of them, right? To be able to, because mm -hmm. that essentially brings you to like $105,000. And yep. so, you know, the whole... I can't make my business work because I don't have the volume to sell all this inventory. So yep. one, you don't need the massive inventory to sell and reach these numbers. It's all a game of where are you putting your price to the volume of people that want the problem or the product that solves their problem. Yep. Here you associated a, you, you use transference of social proof, right? This guy is already an icon in his own right. Yep. And by creating that partnership, it brought both parties value you yep. and him, and it also brought the customer's value because it was already inside that niche market. Second point, the last point that stood out to me that I don't know if anybody else on here caught was you hit on a magic, magic, magic rule of copywriting, which is how many things are just rewritten or reworded so it's not a fidget spinner, it's a pocket sculpture. Yep. How much of that is in your business right now so take an inventory, pause the video, look through <laughs> your inventory of products, and what can simply be renamed or repositioned, and what does that catatonic growth look like? What is that catalyst that's going to move it to the next level? Because I guarantee you it's not more marketing dollars. It's not more ad spend into the problem to fix the holes that you're hoping it's going to fix. And this is coming from somebody that sells digital marketing. It is repositioning and realigning what tools and aspects you already have that are going to elevate it to that next level time and time again. I've, I'm, I'm blown away, man. And I, so, <laughs> so we I, created, I, I, yeah, we created our own cat uh, category, which is now like, uh, that is the name of that category. So everyday carry is obviously a thing, right? You know, EDC. And, and, yeah, EDC. And like, we've been to blade show and, uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, we understand those people so we can authentically serve them. We know what they want. Um, so I don't feel like I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm providing enormous value. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like cheating anybody, but like from the outsider, and this is what I love about niche marketing, niche products is that from the outsider, people are like, oh, $700 for a fidget spinner. I would, I, I, who would ever pay that? Right. Yeah. But for people that are in the niche, they're like, that's amazing. Like I, I you know, I'll, I'll buy it based on a picture on Instagram no, you know, no problem. So we call that collaborative, um, collaborative product development, mm. right? So I have all the skills, Alex, you have all the, you have the name. When we combine our forces, I can do all the work and then sure, I'm going to get a little bit of your audience, but you get to serve your audience. You right. get revenue, I get revenue. And, um, that's worked really well for our clients who are more technically minded and uh, we, we put all, we, we have a, like a package of strat strategies to get to market. We call traction products. And that's one of the later traction products is because people, 
people who are technical uh, co-founders, they, they have a hard time building the uh, business side of their team. So have like a series of different types of products that they can use that will help them get there. But collaborative, uh, collaborative product launches is, is fantastic. Cause like, yeah, like you said, I can, I can leverage somebody's, um, like I can leverage their social proof. I can leverage their audience. And that's how I can go and I can have 200 Instagram followers and I can sell out like, yeah, six, six figures, figures of product product. And yeah, yeah. We, we did subsequent launches that are a little bit better than that, but that one, uh, that one really strikes out because we did that in short, you know, kind of short succession of like doing the Kickstarter to demonstrate and then doing this to, to show people as well. And like even the Kickstarter, the, uh, the ROAS was amazing. Uh, when we, we hit the right audience, like we ended up targeting uh, people that were fans of uh, mechanical vape mods, because at the time there were no kick, there were no fidget spinners. So you couldn't just say people that like fidget spinners or even uh, really EDC, the EDC market was just starting. So it was like, who else buys high, high value, like highly engineered accessory products. So like we we did a $600 spend on Facebook ads with $10,000 coming in of, of, of uh, purchases Wow! off of that. I mean, it was, it was pretty ridiculous, but I mean, again, that was like the early days of Facebook ads. I think at that point you could pretty much just buy them. And it's a lot, it's a lot different now. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a lot more competitive. It's a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, a little story that I like to tell people because they, they look at all these different um, and they think that they're pricing strategies, but they're really like market entry, mar they're marketing strategies. They think like, Hey, I'm going to create a product. So I need to be cheaper than the competitor and we call it penetration pricing. So for business strategy, I always tell people like, you can't be cheaper than somebody that's already like, you know, massive and they're mature in the market. So like you have to be, you have to be 10 X as good. So like your, your marketing has to be really unique. It really has to speak to that customer and whatever their pain point is. Um, so yeah, from like a copywriting standpoint, if you're not, if you're not addressing one of the top three pains of your, of your customer and you're just starting, there's no way you can compete. Right. You know, the, I see that. So you hit on two of the most common problems that we see as an, as an agency when we're first coming into a business. The first one is poor copy. It doesn't clearly express what the product is, what it solves, who, who it serves, any of it. Yep. It's, very, um, it's very much the business owner wearing the website on their sleeve, right? Sure. And very, very transparent about their emotion and their story, which is great. The story has a place in what we're doing, but it's not leading the show. Yeah. Second thing that you talked about was, you know, where, where's my price? I, I get on time. I want my pricing to be similar to those around me, right? Well, if your product is better, does it deserve to be at the same pricing as everybody else's? Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, it really is like, a, it's a, it's a value proposition too. So, so like now we, we, we still, we offer like from going that initial conversation with somebody all the way through supplying them engineering resources and manufacturing resources. So we're generally working on like, uh, you know, let's say 250,000 to a couple million dollar projects. 
-hmm. but like there's a lot of people that are below below that that were create content like the youtube channel or or um you know the course for just to i want to help as many people as possible but it doesn't mean that when i'm doing consulting i have to be like okay who's selling a course on how to develop a product oh it's three thousand dollars i'm going to do that i'm like but why? Like, right. you know, but why? Because if you, if you look at it and you know what the actual value that you're providing for somebody, there's also a lot of different ways to sell it, right? To actually, to actually market and pr price products based on what you're, you know, what you're selling. So right. I, I don't know, it, it, get, it gets very complicated. And I feel like, at least to me, that when you use that customer first mindset, a lot of those things kind of dissolve a lot of those problems that you'll have dissolve because you know exactly what they need uh you know a little bit more what they think and like what they value so i know that um if i go out and i try to sell an engineer on a ton of like business and marketing services they they initially will have an assumption that that is easy mm. right yeah but but I know that if I bring them through uh, like an idea validation uh, framework that allows us to more easily place intellectual property, like define the product characteristics. So like we call it a product uh, requirements document. So it has all of the features so we can start going through compliance testing and, and secure intellectual property. They'll realize that like they talk to a bunch of customers and they heard a lot of feedback that they don't they don't really understand. And I'm like, now we can start building their problems into the messages for marketing. Right. So even if they don't have like a marketing person on their team, we we're like baking it in. And then when the business person joins their team, most likely, you know, because they're actually getting traction and doing work. Somebody is like, Hey, Alex, you're doing an awesome job. I want to, how can I help? You know, they have some of those pieces in place, but they also know that it's a lot harder than they thought, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I get, I get really pumped up about this because, because, um, I've seen people mortgage their houses and spend their kids college funds and do insane things and get nowhere. Right. And, I've, and, uh, either spend too much on development or they, they have literally a basement full of product where they've spent three, four or $500,000 on something. And then they realize like, oh, all the work is on this other side. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We're in a really interesting time right now where so many people have shifted attention. The, the focus, we're coming into the, hopefully the end of Corona, end of 2020, last quarter of it. So much has shifted in the last 15 weeks. We've seen more e-commerce happen than the entire history of the internet combined. What are you seeing from your end as to where are those trends looking for business owners? What does it look like coming into the holiday season this year? Where's that attention starting to look and shift for business owners? What's like that quick actionable takeaway where we can start to point them in that right direction? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give a couple a couple of things, and I'm going to I'm going to I'll try to give a, a marketing focus for for um, for the first one here is that people need to go back to the customer and there's a cup there's a couple ways 
to intuitively grow a business. And we, we do it on, on two axes. So uh, the traditional thing that people try to do is they, they do product line extensions, mm-hmm. right? So they'll, they'll try to do like a product that could be in addition to that product. And I, I'm trying to get people to move more quickly by leveraging existing products um, because e-commerce is moving so quickly and uh, the internet is connected enough where like going back to a really early strategy and saying like, I'm not an affiliate marketer, but I have a list of 30,000 people that are in this niche. Like what are five, 10 awesome products that I can partner with companies that are here and we can start borrowing each other's audience mm. and we can kind of collaborate. So, it, you know, I think that uh, drop shipping and other kind of more, let's say, you know, quite frankly, spammy ways of selling product, it's going to heat up uh, with e-com going up and it's going to be harder and harder and harder. But if you're selling a real product, you can use things like, because major companies, major brands, you go into Home Depot, right? You go into Costco, right? They have their own brands of things. Those are just white labeled products, right? Right. And what they, they don't want to do is spend the organizational capital to build the thing that their pro, their company wants. They don't want to build the infrastructure because right now with the economy, like I don't want to build a second factory. What I want to do is sell more product. So mm-hmm. I want my customers to be super happy. So I'm really getting people to go out there and saying like, can you create a partnership with another company and share audience? Can you white label or, or a custom brand something that exists? So there's zero, uh, you know, engineering costs, really low inventory, low to no inventory costs, really high quality product. Can you do that? Uh, so, so we can, we can take advantage of the fact that people want to use e-com, but we can move like tomorrow. We can move next week, not in 12 months or 18 months. Cause that's just crazy talk. Right. Yeah. Um, it's too fast and that's too slow. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. And, and with physical products, like the investments are super high and the timelines are low, but the, the revenues are massive. Right. So, so, uh, we, you know, the, like the worst case scenario is we find out that people really, really want that thing that we got custom branded. And then we move into doing a, our own version of that product with the revenue that we made, just made, right. We use that to get more requirements. I mean, that's, that's like the, the, the big thing right now uh, that I see people, people going in, but I'm just asking people to build more revenue and try to hack more revenue, right? And do not build infrastructure. Like do not build physical infrastructure in your business. Um, we, we, uh, one, once people go through um, like there are ideation and funding stage, and then they go through the manufacturing stage of, of, uh, coaching, we go into this optimization stage. So we talk a lot about building um, hyper adaptive supply chains. So trying to, the, the ideal for me is to have a product where people pre pre-order it. I have zero inventory, Yeah. right? And it's as expensive as possible and as high value as possible. So that's like the grail thing. And I, I try to figure, figure that out. I mean, it's obviously not always possible, but like, if you want to grow really quickly with a physical product company, uh, the ways to stop that are, you know, to have like massive warehouses full of old inventory that you can't move, um, waiting, waiting for super long design cycles, like 
building whatever you think is cool, not what your customer thinks is cool. Yeah. Uh, the, the classic one is, is uh, like, let's say I build a product and it's really for this one specific group. Uh, and third circle, uh, third circle theory talks about this is like, you should build things that are connected, right? Like an idea that has some kind of overlap. Mm-hmm. But uh, people want to, they build like a product like this for this group and they build some random other thing. And they're like, well, I have a back office and I have a warehouse and I have all this infrastructure so I could just build another totally random thing. And I'm like, if you're building fitness equipment, build more fitness equipment or build something for people that are interested in fitness. Right. Don't build a dog brand, right? <laughs> because, you know, you're starting from scratch every time. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, that's really, really frustrating. But um, yeah, my big thing right now is trying to be as agile as possible. I love it. Any last moments of wisdom before we wrap this thing up? No, man. I, I, uh, I just, I appreciate the, the opportunity to come in and chat. And uh, I don't know if, if, if anybody has, uh, you know, questions about manufacturing or product development, it is a huge, like huge um, topic. I guess, you know, it's, it's kind of like marketing. It's like all encompassing right. of, of a business, but uh, I'm happy to jump on a call with people and, and chat and see if there's something that I can, I can help out with. That's- I love it, man. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I, I hope people go back and listen to this thing multiple times because there's so many gold nuggets that you laid down <laughs> in there that, uh, that have never been covered on this show yet. So Super excited for them. Even more grateful and thankful for your time here today, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Alex. Be well. Yeah, later.